Welcome back to the Business of Buildings podcast. I've had a couple year hiatus, but uh, obviously that always happens back into the flow of sharing key professionals in the industry because uh, every professional brings their skill set and their passion with them. Uh, and the topics that they hold dear, it's important to get their, you know, get their information out to a larger, uh, a larger audience. So what, with the podcast, we treat it as a library of, you know, reference of topics and any of these topics that resonate in discussions around, it's, it's like a, it's the start of a knowledge base. So the topic can be shared, the professionals can be contacted to discuss their, you know, the specialty in more detail to, uh, you know, apply to buildings and design to improve the places that we live in and work. So on this topic uh, today, Rebecca Stefanani and I, uh, she, we've been in touch for a while now. She's a great uh, sales rep for Big Guys Fans. Uh, she's a firm believer in uh, optimizing air quality and comfort as it relates to, to building design. Uh, that can be done quite well with use of high technology fans like Big Ass Fans. To, um, But in, in, it's important to understand what air comfort actually means. And that's what she's been out on on a mission over the last few years, just educating as best she can. Because the more awareness that uh, architects and engineers and building owners have around comfort in all of its dimensions, then they can be in a position to help inform the design and, and offer better solutions as well. Uh, so let's let's listen in on this topic. We have a double meaning on this, this discussion regarding air quality and comfort as it relates to our growing outside of our personal and professional comfort zone in the industry as well. Uh, let's listen in. So Rebecca, do you want to introduce yourself and your background? Absolutely. Uh, my name is Rebecca. I'm from Big Ass Fans. Been with the company eight years now and I've done a lot of work in the pre-specification side with architects and engineers understanding their role in designing buildings and incorporating fans as part of the thermal comfort solution. Very good. Thanks. Thanks for that. Thanks for coming today. So this is obviously like a re reboot of the Bob podcast from three years ago. Great. So every time I come into these podcasts, I have a general theme that comes to me in the morning. I never plan it in advance and it always seems to kind of resonate. There's always these synchronicities that kick in. Um, so I had a, a really good discussion with Tiffany, an architect in Brisbane, Two days ago, we had a chat about my new venture, Actualize, which I'll share with you later. Um, and the discussion kind of went to getting outside of your comfort zone and finding courage. And if anything, personally, that was something I had to go through the last three years in my own personal growth and development as things changed in my life. Yeah. So that's the theme that came to me this morning. Fantastic. All right. So, and then tying comfort into air quality. There's a real match there. Which is kind of, it's an interesting, interesting match. So, yeah, so I guess the first point is, have you defined, how do you define your comfort zone? Define your comfort zone personally, professionally, and, and physically. So I'll start off with like a couple examples of, of this. One, we all, we all know the analogy of it's a hot day, it's a sunny day, the water's freezing, you put your toes in, you dip your toes in, it's too cold, you're like, you're hesitant, you're like, I'll just get in, you know, and you hold yourself back from it. Yeah. As soon as you jump in, you're like, what took me so long? Yes. So right? I, I, this, I feel great. I feel in bliss because I'm now having, you know, a great experience. Yes. And then you don't even think about the time to lead up. True. Right? 
Yeah, that's a great analogy. You know, when I was in New Zealand, I bungee jumped, and I wouldn't do it anymore because I have children. But back then, you're not thinking about it. So the lead-up, the, the anticipation, the mind of trying to tell you, you shouldn't be doing this. Being talked out of it. Being talked mm. out of it. Like getting outside of that comfort zone that you're in. Mm. And I remember that. We had a friend Jocelyn and I traveled for a month in New Zealand in a van. And, you know, they're out drinking every night and having a good time as a backpacker. And we signed up for like a three bungee jump experience for one day. And I'd wow. never done it before. So the night before, like going to bed, you know when you go to bed, you just want to settle in and you want to wind down for the day. All that night I couldn't sleep because I'm thinking, I'm going to get up and jump out of a, a yeah. plane or I'm going to jump off a bridge. Yeah. I just couldn't get my head around it. I was not comfortable at all. Well, having not done it before, it's that's, the fear of the unknown. That's and, right. Yeah. And then in uni, I've, I've sang and played guitar in front of thousands of people at talent shows. And, wow. But I, I will never, you'll never see me doing karaoke. I've got a fear. I don't want to do it. There's some block there. Interesting. That's completely out of my comfort zone. Is it because you can prepare for a performance? and? That's it. Mm. Wow, that's brilliant. That's exactly <laughs> right. Because karaoke, you have to be on the spot. Absolutely. Yeah. We were in China a few years ago at a karaoke bar in Beijing. Yeah, couldn't do it. <laughs> I'm a terrible singer, so can't do karaoke. Or even if I prepared, I no, wouldn't want to put people through that torture. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> But it's not about them, it's about your enjoyment. True. I love right? drama and public speaking. I actually don't mind, still get nervous, but yep. don't mind doing it, uh, especially if I'm prepared and understand the topic. And Definitely. Mm. Well, even this morning, I was a little bit, and I tell my daughters this as well when they do their concerts at school, and mm -hmm. Clara says, I'm nervous. I said, that's a good thing. Yes. Because that knows you're, you're passionate or you're ready to prepare and prevent, present yourself, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, if you're not, then there's something not right or you're not into it. Very true. And it is when you've finished the, uh, I guess, relief that is so rewarding, you know, having those nerves and that build up and then having done it and as long as it all goes well, it's a real uh, sense of satisfaction to have taken yourself out of your comfort zone and yep. done something and achieved it. And then you have an, another level of experience and awareness. Absolutely. Around that. So mm. you can have respect, um, reflection on it. It's character building. It is. Yeah. So any like personal or professional, what, what would take you, like today, if you were to try to think of anything, what would, what would you do that would be outside of your comfort zone in the normal day to day? You know, it could be approaching someone at the grocery store, having a chat, or just randomly meeting someone, asking for a coffee. Like what, what comes to mind is what takes you out of your comfort zone? Good question. Uh, probably the cold calling aspect of my job. Uh, when I get an opportunity to uh, go out and go to businesses that we may have not had dealings with in the past, but I have identified as a good sort of point of contact that I would like to start working with. Uh, walking into any office is daunting because it's exciting, but you just don't know the reaction of the receptionist or if it's an open plan office, the, the 10 faces that, that look at you and you sort of think, who do I go to? So I do find that I'm out of my comfort zone, but in the same way we were describing to uh, public speak, it, there's an excitement in it and mm. not knowing how it's going to go for me. Yes, I'm out of my comfort zone, but it excites me because... The potential and opportunity could go anywhere. 
Oh, that's amazing. I, yeah. I like that. <laughs> but that's kind of one of the themes I told you about, Bob, as well, is bringing the humanity to the profession. Yes. Like, we are all human. We all have, you know, because I've been there. I've been in that <laughs> consulting environment where you, sales engineer comes in, and you're like, you're flat out. You've got 20 projects. You're in a hurry. And then a lot of times you're not focused in, a, in present because your sure. mind's going a thousand different places. Absolutely. So you can feel that it's not a respectful thing to be in that space when someone else is trying to present information to you that will help bring awareness and a new level of knowledge to your own career. And on my side, I find that I don't want to disrespect that I have not made an appointment. I've just popped in and I'm interrupting their workday. But I'm there to make their life easier if they do have a project where we'll do the design work for them and assist with the recommendation. And, Mm. you know, it's really, I won't take more than a minute of your time, but having that face-to-face contact I find is so important over a phone call where you're, it's a next level of distraction because you don't have that non-verbal communication and that personal aspect of a uh, physical meet and greet. Brilliant. Hmm. And my mentor, Tom McPherson, he always, back in Michigan, share with me that all I am, I'm a conductor. I don't have all the knowledge in the world. Mm. Oh, trust your suppliers, your engineers that are working around you. Build a team around you. Absolutely. Collaboration. So collaboration, yep. Mm. And that's where you're bringing all the latest knowledge to the forefront that we can then bring to the clients and projects that are Absolutely. seeing value in it. Working together and taking strengths from where people have their, their strengths and, yeah, working together. I love that. Oh, cool. Mm. I don't know why this came to mind. A couple of years ago, Evan and I, when he was working with us, we thought, oh, let's go. I had the idea of an engineer in the office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we asked a couple of architects, do you want us just to go there, like be present for a day, and we're a resource of knowledge for you. Oh, great. So we went in one day. It was a little bit awkward. We're feeling a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Like, what, what kind of crazy idea is this? Yes. But we went in there. We had our laptops. Nowadays, it's easy. You can work while you're anywhere. So we were in this office. It was Breathe Architects. Oh, yeah. And we're at first like, what are we doing here? This is a different environment mm-hmm. to us. It's mm-hmm. out of our, it's not engineering. True. But then it took like most of the day for them to see us and wonder who is, mm-hmm. what are they doing here? Mm-hmm. And then they, they came to us at the end of the day and they got all this information. We had these good discussions. Great. It took a while for them to get comfortable with us. Yes. On both sides. On both sides. Yeah. <laughs> and then the idea came, to, came through. That's the vision I had. Oh, fantastic. That sounds great. It was good. I'm going to practice with this. So I'm like, I can have a sip of coffee. Absolutely. Don't let it go cold. Yeah. That's brilliant. So, yeah. Um, This this is another theme we talked about. So knowledge and awareness. Mm. There's a comfort zone in the mind. Mm. You know, the mind is a limited amount of knowledge. Lately, I've been visualizing it as a cage. Interesting. You know, like religion, if you translate the word, I think, to its origins, it's mind cage. Oh, wow. So we all have a limited amount of knowledge and awareness. Yes. And that's something that we've kind of been challenged with over the last few years. Yes. Right? Because if it's something new we're not comfortable with, we don't want to look at it. No. It's our brain keeping us safe as as well. Um, The the fear of the unknown and it, it could be a danger. So... Yep. Don't open up to that because it. it's, it's not safe. <laughs> but that fear is an illusion as well. Mm, so as soon as you so go true. beyond it, you're like, whoa, that wasn't so bad. Just like dipping your toes in the so jumping into the, the cold water. Mm. Uh, so that, that's a key element uh, of what you're, you're striving to achieve in your career as well. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, Sharing definitely. knowledge and 
breaking down the barriers of everyone's expectations of what air comfort is. Absolutely. There's so much education in, you know, while I am a, a salesman, uh, I do see the aspect of being uh, a key source of knowledge with fans and uh, just being someone to share that knowledge so that the relevant party can do what they want with it and take that knowledge to make their projects uh, more successful, more sustainable. Yeah. So, yeah, I love the the challenge in the fact that so many people don't even know they need big-ass fans yeah. and to be that conduit between the design stage and then the final uh, execution of a project where you're creating a more sustainable, comfortable building that is cheaper for the client and a lower carbon footprint and better for the planet. You read my mind. It's a great transition. That's <laughs> right. exactly where I was going with this. Um, so we, we start, like we can talk briefly on the fundamentals of air quality, mm -hmm. sure. you know, and I can kind of introduce that. I think you've, you've had presentations on this that we'll link in this podcast Absolutely. for download. Worth a formal CPD point for any architect. That's listening. right. <laughs> yeah. But as a mech engineer, we can get siloed in our own thinking as well. You know, we get design briefs that are given to us that say, okay, we need to have 22 degrees plus or minus one with yep. relative humidity 50, 50%, mm -hmm. heating 20 degrees, mm -hmm. and then they give you inputs on lighting watts per square meter and mm -hmm. occupant allowance. It's very structured, it's very Absolutely. regimented. Absolutely. One thing I've been telling developers and clients of late is that we need to start rethinking the briefs because the way we're using buildings has changed Absolutely. from 30, 20 years ago. Absolutely. Right? Uh, standards are updated, uh, but I sympathise, I understand from an engineer's perspective that your job is crucial and critical and it is you know, so finite down to detail and calculations and if you've done all the work and you know, done projects which are tried and tested and you've used air conditioning which has been used for decades and it works it's it's hard to go I'm going to move out of the mold and also take a risk in a way with uh, a different comfort solution when you've got something and it's that old you know if it ain't broke don't fix it but I do think um, it it's starting to look from my perspective that there is something broken in designing you know skyscrapers that are all glass and essentially a big greenhouse that needs to be continually over air conditioned and is expensive to run and uh, I think we could all do uh, will benefit from thinking differently and revisiting the the mold and the old tried and tested way of doing things definitely I agree with that mm. Because uh, air conditioning is a, it used to be a luxury. Now it's an expectation. So true. And I'm guilty of coming home and same. feeling hot and <laughs> putting on my air con. I'm the same. So, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just like with my computer, if it starts, the fan starts running, I get annoyed. <laughs> so I'll turn it on just for that. Wow. Just keep your laptop cool. I don't want the fan running. I'm trying to work. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's, I'm being spoiled in that way. Yeah. Oh, I think we definitely have, you know, um, like our creature comforts and we, we, as humans, we want to be comfortable. Mm. Um, um, but it's about maintaining comfort, uh, but not maintaining comfort solely relying on air conditioning. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then everyone has their own perception of comfort oh, as well. Yes. All, so like with a, with a space when you're doing a heat load, mm. it's usually it's very regimented on building fabric. It's very, um, it's pretty basic, the mm -hmm. heat load calcs that are done today. Mm -hmm. 
So radiant effects, that's mm. like a temperature of a wall, or the mm. glass is radiating energy to you in the space. Absolutely. Conductive effects, a temperature differential yeah. across the surface. Machinery, if you're working in a, a warehouse where there's plant equipment that generates heat, you know, yep. that's creating a, an uncomfortable space by adding heat into the uh, facility. That's right. Mm. And then convection, which you're, you're familiar with, is yes. movement of energy by, by air, like yes. a fluid. So Absolutely. that's another means of those, all those. These are only three elements. It's multidimensional, which play into the whole role of defining what comfort is. Absolutely, and I need to be careful because I could talk for hours about these factors and I always ask uh, when I present people to think about their own comfort, mm. whether they're sitting at the moment and whether they're hot or cold and we walk into spaces, we never ask ourselves if we're comfortable because we instantly know it's you know something that's sort of second nature to us is our comfort. Uh, we know whether we're comfortable and we know when we're uncomfortable. Uh, and we ultimately want to design spaces where we're comfortable because that means we're enjoying the space we're occupying. Yes. And if you have a space that has 100 people in it, like an open plan, mm -hmm. it's how do you design it in a way that allows everyone to be able to control their own comfort Absolutely. that's a challenge oh and it's such a challenge because we're dealing with humans and yeah. as humans we're actually um we're you know poor uh, assessors of our own comfort uh we're also adaptive in terms of if we grow up with cold climate well we feel heat so much more than someone who is raised in a, a hotter environment um, and then you've got the differences between men and women in uh, metabolic rates so I've worked in offices where it's always that the females with the uh, under desk heaters yeah. um, sitting with hot you know cups of coffee and tea all day and shawls over them because spaces are over air conditioned and often take into account that you know males can wear a suit and women on a summer day you're not wearing a suit you're gonna wear a dress but come into the office and you end up being freezing because of the over air conditioned space so oh, yeah. challenges there with uh, different metabolic rates between that's occupants. true <laughs> and that's a that's a point I had as well if it's 40 degrees outside and yeah. you come into a 22 degree building it's it's not good for anyone's physiology it no. shocks the body and it's dehydrating the body absolutely it's an unhealthy it's, switch it's a it's a radiant um differential it's that refrigerative uh, air conditioning where yeah our body actually requires quite a lot of energy to maintain comfort in those conditions Whereas using a fan, um, it, obviously why I'm here is to talk about fans, yeah. is that convection aspect of moving the air that's on the surface of our skin and replacing it with the outside air to cool us down, um, accelerate the body's natural cooling process by evaporating sweat. And it's a much more gentler way of maintaining comfort yeah. in comparison with air conditioning or in conjunction with air conditioning. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, some really good ideas coming. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's true. Yeah, metabolic rate, age, body type, clothes, clothing. Clothing's big as well. Children metabolic rate is higher as well. Something you taught me, Jeff. I yeah. didn't realize that children, but it makes Which ties sense. into the school systems. We've talked about schools and the way they're designed and how that could be improved as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, I've noticed kids running around in, you know, freezing day and they're in t-shirt and shorts and I've always wondered why that is but it makes a lot of sense that yeah. children's metabolic rate is higher so they're not running as cold as adults that's it mm. but we're still designing to these old school ways Ooh, yes yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah natural is is always better and then obviously moving air around to create some sense of comfort is a lot more energy efficient as well 
Absolutely. It's helping dilute the air a lot more effectively. Yes, it just requires so much less energy consumption to move a fan versus conditioning and sucking out humidity in a space and then changing temperature that way. Yeah. So it's often needed, you know, when we're living in Perth, we have 40 degree days on end in summer mm. uh, and, you know, buildings are hot and using a fan can absolutely alleviate and provide a, a cooling effect, um, but that cooling effect does max out at six degrees. So if we're getting it to a, a feeling of a low 30 degree temperature, for human occupancy, it's still hot. So it is pairing that air conditioning with fans. And the idea is they're not running that air conditioning, you know, so low because it's so energy intensive. You can bump your thermostat up incorporate fans and have a massive cost saving with that differential between what you would run your thermostat at say 21 degrees bumping it up to 24 it's around those three degrees offer around a 30 percent reduction in cooling costs to That's a building definitely <laughs> correct yes there's one aspect to this that like i've been sharing with these briefs that were given there, there's a lot of lease agreements that are signed up to the the brief mm. so if we're given a job to design it's already contracted that you're providing 22 plus or minus. Wow. So then all the contractuals, the risk, the insurance is kicking and it's like, that's where there's so much resistance to change in the design process. Of course. Because it's all contracted. You have to provide this. So that's where, if we start reforming those briefs, that's where we can get major savings and energy and, and comfort. Absolutely. But that's another element of changing the comfort zone of how a project's run. Yeah, because there's so much at stake. <laughs> yeah, there is, but there isn't. Okay. It's just a piece of paper. I've worked on projects that are like, oh, they treat it like the Bible, this brief, and it's like a copy-paste document. Right. I'm like, no, no, we, every design is a new design. Absolutely. Let's that's look our, at it. Let's look at design. it. Yes. <laughs> let's not just copy it. That's so true. And that's... I, I it's our duty of care. Absolutely. And that's, you know, we need to design spaces that are comfortable. Uh, but I think, especially with climate reports and the, you know... <laughs> Yeah, just the impact on the environment. We need to be doing more than the stock standard, tried and tested way. Uh, we need to be taking responsibility for how we design spaces and how we occupy spaces. And if there is a solution and a more sustainable way to do it, why wouldn't we be adopting that method? That's that's a good challenge, right? Mm, yeah. This is one of those mental hurdles, yes. those blocks. Well, how much, like, what's the, I don't know why I get these random ideas. Can I, remember kinetic energy versus potential in yep. physics? Yep. How you? What is it? To overcome the static friction, you have to, you need more energy to get it moving. Yes. That's kind of what we have in the industry. Interesting. If you want to make a major change. Yes. It's are you willing to put the extra energy into doing it? So true. A lot of times it's like oh, I don't have time or I can't be bothered or it's too late. There's a lot of that. What if it doesn't work? The fear. The fear. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. Those are all comfort zones. They're little barriers we place. Absolutely. Versus, I always try to play it. Like I'll pick. I'll pick and choose lately. Sometimes I'll be more, more, not aggressive, more passionate mm -hmm. and try. Mm -hmm. But um, a lot of times, if it's you're the only one, you're on an island. This is where Actualize comes in, which I'll share later. It's getting everyone on board early. And that's so, so that you can make these innovative changes. Absolutely, and that's why at Big Ass Fans we work so hard with the engineer and architect early on to say we understand that this is something you have maybe not had experience in. So we're here to support that and give you the data that gives you confidence in what we're recommending and then have that in the project early so that we can assist and make 
you know, the lives of the architect and engineer and the project much easier um, and take that, I guess, um, fear and the apprehension out of it so that they can um, ultimately... Do you present to architects mostly or engineers or a combination? What's your... A combination. Mostly... Um, mostly... Sorry, mostly uh, to architects because we have a formal CPD presentation that's accredited with the AIA uh, and the whole presentation is on educating the architect on the engineer's role in designing for thermal comfort so that the architect that designs a building in, in concept has an understanding of how uh, in the background calculations are done by the engineer to sign off on thermal comfort. Uh, and so I would not do that presentation to an engineer because it's going to be very, um, I guess it's second nature to them, the, the concepts, but we absolutely speak with them and I would show them the presentation in terms of educating them on how we're educating the architect. Uh, but we also at Big Ass Fans have an in-house engineer. So uh, I've got a lot of experience in this area, but I myself am not an engineer. And I think sometimes it helps to talk to someone who has had the same qualifications and understands from the engineer's role in terms of being so, um, I guess, detailed uh, what the requirements are. So, yes, I've got the knowledge, but we've also got the in-house engineer to assist and That's speak the language. We talked about that point earlier. Yeah. Um, but there, there is a market for engineers. I've, I've, I've seen the presentation. It's brilliant. <laughs> a lot. It, it could actually offer a lot of value to many, especially younger. Because the whole idea of this, one of my mentors back home, he always said, when I left Michigan, you are not your title. And that always stuck with me. Like if you label yourself, if I'm an engineer, I've, I've siloed myself. So true. Because I'm Jeff, I have, a, a, I have an experience level. I have a, you know, mine's different to everyone else's. Yeah. I don't know everything. True. I bring a, a knowledge and experience that's different to everyone. Same Absolutely. with you. So when you, you say you're not an engineer, we all have engineering skills. True. And traits and abilities. It's just tearing down that. That's another mind barrier. Absolutely. For an architect. I've, I've said this to architect before and it really shocks them. Yeah. Because they kind of become it they become the role i say you're not an architect and they, they pause because their identity is attached to it i was going to say identity it's, has that's so a fear to do with it. Mm. it does yeah so I, I i guess that's a challenge and that's um, a big sort of comfort zone that i step out of is uh, the challenge in talking to people who are very much educated and experienced in their area and trying to get them to think differently uh, and educating them on tools that are now available to do these calculations and look at more sustainable design um, that they're probably not aware of because they've been using old tools and standards that uh, they haven't needed. You know, they still comply, yeah. um, but they are not complying with the sustainability that we all need to be focused on. Yeah, so what you're doing is very valuable. Yes. Like going in, even being persistent, you know, bringing that knowledge in because sometimes it won't get through. Yeah. But those young engineers that really want to make a difference and the architects, they'll take it on board. Absolutely. So you might hit one out of ten, but that's oh, yeah. still making a big change. So 
it's a numbers game and, yeah, and I'm all about, yeah, just um, being available to speak to whoever will listen. Uh, and that's definitely something I've seen increase just within the WA market is mm. the uh, increase of passive design and incorporation of fans in new construction, which I love. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. Mm. Like if those, those that take on the knowledge mm. and they find major savings, they're mm. going to separate themselves in the market either professionally as a business. Absolutely. So just by that little extra effort of getting out of that comfort. I find that, I found that on a few of my projects. I just have that, you know, that energy that goes into it. I'm like, yeah, yeah there's, there's always another way. There's yeah. always a better way. Yeah. And I get fulfillment from that, just Absolutely. like I'm sure you do when you see your project. Absolutely. And to hear clients that come back and just say, wow, we've, we've done this the first time. We'll, we'll, you know, now we're not going to deviate from this new method that we've tried because the rewards are so great. And hmm. I'm all about making the architect and engineer the hero. So happy oh, no. for it to be their idea and, you know, to as you say, collaborate, work together so that at the end of the day, we're all in business for the customer and that the spaces that they're operating are more comfortable and more energy efficient. And yeah. so when we work together, that can be achieved. So let's go, let's talk through that. How do we make innovative changes? So yeah. we, we talked about, you know, metabolic rate, relative mm. humidity. These are all things that define comfort, mm. you know, spaces that are, because that air conditioning system really is a dehumidification system. Mm -hmm. So if you've been in an office all day, you feel, mm -hmm. if you're not drinking enough water, you, you feel tired and dehydrated at yep. three o'clock yep. because that's one aspect. It's literally wicking moisture from your body. Absolutely. So if you don't replace it, so that's actually affecting your, your health and wellness. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yep. So that's, that's important. It's knowing all the fundamentals. You know, everyone I say is responsible for comfort. And even on a design team, everyone is responsible for air quality because we're we're building and designing buildings, not to look at, but to occupy. Absolutely. So I think it's everyone's, everyone should have an awareness of these fundamentals. Absolutely. Right? And, and how we all control comfort as well. Um, so being, uh, you know, I guess designing differently and understanding that um, when we design with air conditioning, it's comfortable, but it's um, not the healthiest way um and it's certainly um not yeah the the healthiest on our bodies so thinking differently and understanding that you know um i guess that passive design requires active participants oh, so yeah when you uh, an architect told me that and to design a space where we're not just coming in and setting our thermostat set and forget we're actually you know starting a fan slowly during and then as the heat increases speeding that fan up we're opening louvers so that we can get cross ventilation and extraction of hot air from a space and mm. not just looking at uh, temperature and humidity as the only ways to control our comfort there's a stack effect as well that it comes in the so stratification, stratification yeah. moving heat uh, high uh, level and then extracting it naturally. Absolutely. And so in summer, that's going to happen and you want to be able to extract it. Mm -hmm. uh, but in winter, that's going to happen and you want to be able to keep it um, circulating so that the hot air is not being lost through the roof space and you're overheating a space and, you know, increasing your energy bills just to maintain occupant And comfort. with your smart fan, you can change the, the direction so it's either pulling or... And that pushing would, down depending on the mode. Absolutely. It's heating, you want to bring that airflow down. Yeah, so yeah. people are familiar with reversing fans because in winter, why would you want to run a fan and create that 
cooling effect. Mm -hmm. uh, but our fans, we engineer them um, and put a lot of, uh, I guess, profits into research and development. So we've actually engineered our fans to where they don't need to reverse. Um, oh, okay. They can, but it's just on the slower speed, our fans don't create a cooling draft. But they are taking the air the hot air from above the fan and bringing it down uh, slowly. So you have the whole um, circulation of the volume of air in the space uh, without creating a cooling effect and at a lower energy consumption than running your fan in reverse at a faster speed. Uh, okay. So you don't need to think every six months is my fan in the right direction. It's just slow in winter, fast in summer. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, mm. you're just changing the ex ex air exchange kind of rate. Yeah, in space. and it's, I mean, air prefers the path of least resistance. Let's just bring it straight down. Yeah. Uh, but conventional fans haven't been able to run slowly, so you wouldn't want to run it in the forward direction while it would still be mixing the air. It would be mixing the air at a rate that's creating a cooling draft. Mm. So our fans run slowly, no cooling draft, but the full mixing effect of the volume of air in a space. And your fans are e like uh, they're smart fans. They're easy to control. You can manifold them. To get, you can variable speed the fans. You can tie them into CO monitor, CO two control. All space. of that, absolutely. Yeah, there's so yeah. much available. Absolutely, you know, motion detection. So mm. uh, I think for like 24 hour gyms and things like that, when you've got spaces that sometimes are unoccupied, mm. um, don't run the fan. It'll uh, turn off when there's no motion in a space, and turn on as soon as someone walks in. So, oh wow! Yeah. So back to schools. Yes. <laughs> That's one of my, my passions. There's so many opportunities in that space. And it, and it goes to empowering the children as well. Because we can, now you can put in, you know, traffic light air quality monitors in the space. You told me about those, yeah. Because children are smart nowadays. They, yeah. they're, they're so tech savvy. Oh, they're born with phones. <laughs> and they, they want to be, you know, they're in an environment where they're not in control. True. Because they're in a structured education system. Sure. Or they should flip it so that they're empowered. If they yes. see, oh, teacher, it's orange. Yes. Let's open the windows. Yes. Get them to define and feel into their own comfort and then like be that. able to communicate it. Yeah. So they can say to the, that's flip it around. Absolutely. And I think with, you know, COVID, uh, we have entered a, a completely different way of living and particularly children have been exposed to uh you know, changing work conditions, changing school, you know, homeschool, things like that, to where there's an understanding now of the um, impact of poor air quality and that social distancing is important and how germs spread. And it is something that's hidden. You know, we don't see germs. We don't see poor air quality. Mm. But when we see it by the effects of catching COVID and not having schools open, it is now something that we're all very aware of. Mm. Uh, and I like that, empowering the kids to um, take control and, and take charge of their own you know, air quality within the spaces like, they're occupying. You've been on the road when there's this old, like, beat-up truck that has the catalytic converter cut out and it's just blowing smoke at you. Oh, yes. Like, Holy cow, what is this, what is this guy doing? Uh, yep. You can see it. Oh, yeah. If you could see, I always say, if you could see CO2 as, like, a purple, then everyone would be very aware of air quality. Absolutely. How nice would that? that oh, yeah. You could see it in the space versus it's it's not visible. It's a real hidden cost. So it's cost. an unknown. Yeah, and a hidden cost to... Um, you know, if we're talking about schools, well, performance is, is everything in terms of that data is um, published and it's 
um, for their test know, scores. Abs- yeah, and it, and it equates to the um, registrations and uh, uh, you know all of those things. So attendance. You know, if you've got sick kids, they're not attending. They're performance outcomes are then affected. Mm. So these are costs that are not just monetary, but also for those academic outcomes for children um, are that, affected. It affects all of society, really. Everything, yeah. Because yeah. then the parents get sick and it, go, it has a knock-on effect Absolutely. to the entire community, really. Absolutely, and it's just not something that I, we think about. Um, on a day-to-day or, or, as you say, it's so hidden we don't see it. Mm. Um, if anything, COVID has brought to light the uh, ability of you know, germs and poor air quality to pretty much bring a functioning society to a standstill. Um, yeah. So if there is a positive, I think it's gotten us all to appreciate um, being out again and being able to interact with other humans, um, but also to be cautious of uh, our health yes. and, you know, the air that we breathe. <laughs> the word that comes to mind is responsibility. Yes. Like, you know, I've been presenting these concepts to my daughter's school for many, many years now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of know where you're, where you're at. It's very you don't you can't push it. You have this knowledge. Yeah. You're clearly aware of it. They're not. Mm-hmm. So how do you do it in a way that's not too confronting? Like you have to be very, to be passive or. And how do you? Quantify it takes a long time as well. And, yeah. To get quanti- that knowledge that's across. That's it. And quantifying, you know, what's the cost if you don't do it, and what's the cost benefit um, if you do do it? It's actually, it's almost intangible because. Mm. It, you can't calculate um, that measure alone, but you'll see and feel and, and know that the you know, environment is functioning better once you implement you know, a, a measure that improves air quality. Well, it can be measured if it's set up as a strategic plan. Mm-hmm. If you were to make the investment now, say, okay, let's measure where our starting base is with yep. our air quality, which we did. Like we, Tony Timpson from Lynx, we put some air quality sensors and monitored and logged data for the winter months. Okay. So we we had, we started the idea of this is what you can start with yeah. to see your levels. Yeah. And again, I, the pitch was improve test scores, improve attention, yes. improve health, and that will have a knock on. Yeah. It will be measurable in five years, like right. your test scores. If you actually set it up, you know, it can't. Have, there's a lot of variables at play. But if you have a longer time frame, then you can get the actual feedback. Interesting. Okay. But you have to make the commitment to do that. Like say, oh, I understand it. I'm aware of it. Air quality helps. Yeah. It's not everything. This is not like a, a magic solution. No. But it is a key aspect. Yes. So if you are aware of it, you can actually measure it five years later, improve your investment. Absolutely. But that's the challenge of getting their awareness to that, to see it's it's the 1% rule. If you find any little ways to separate yourself. Yeah. In your school and your community, then your fees can go up, and your, you know, it has a knock-on benefit to your whole, because the school is a business, right? It has That's a knock-on it. effect in a, on your profitability. Absolutely, and it, it is. There's such uh, a challenge in educating um, the the school, the business, to where they've obviously got, um, you know, competing costs and and you know sort of a million different things to invest in it's getting them to see that this is um a key to improve student outcomes or um you know business performance and getting them to understand the importance of doing it i think that 
is probably the challenge is that we get it because we, we do it every day, but that that would be really asking them to step out of their comfort zone. Yes, um, that's right. To do that. So, yeah, look, I'm up for the challenge, but it does require a lot of nurturing that relationship, um, giving them data and as you say that that you know five years um they've got to have that faith in you and your calculations to do that to then see in five years time that benefit that you're confident will come but um it's you know and they sometimes people will say well i won't be in the job in in five years and it's not going to be my problem but then that becomes that responsibility you talk about responsibility yeah well and there's also an element of I've, i've referred to it in different ways there's heart there's uh, social capital is another way to call it. Yes. Where you're putting good energy into yeah. it. That's the investment. Yes. You don't need to see a quick feedback because you're actually giving it more than just. And let's not just have conversations about that. money. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, it's not about that. Yeah, that social is... capital is valuable. Yes, absolutely. Right? There should be more to it than just. It's Yeah, the limited mindset, which is what you talked about. Mm. Yeah, my job only here for a year mm. or two years. That's not my, we got to look long term. Definitely, and yeah. beyond just cost savings and and um, or investment costs, it's well, what's the cost if we don't do this, and yeah. what's the gain if we do from a cultural perspective and from an environmental impact perspective. Hmm. There's a, and having um, it's ironic we're talking about schools because mm-hmm. we we talk about the children and how they, you know, as they grow older they become more structured into society and mm-hmm. they're the childlike spirit mm-hmm. kind of diminishes. Mm-hmm. That's what we need to bring back. True. Mm. To, so those moments where you've, you're like, you know, you've had a project you're working on and something unique is coming into mm-hmm. it, you get that rush of energy. Mm-hmm. That's that childlike spirit coming through. Oh, yeah. Where you're like, the oh, unknown. this is cool. The unknown. Yeah. Imagine we have more of that on a project. That's, that's where we need to get to. Definitely. You know, the children are not thinking about, well, consequence to a point. They're, they're just having fun. Coming up with fun ideas. And as we get older, I feel like there's a pressure to know everything or to not um, be out of our comfort zones. Mm. And it's that pressure that keeps us from, um, yeah, just exploring new things. And it's that exploring new things and learning that is very childlike. And um, I think it's character building and, yeah, personal development. But... It's as we get older, we don't want to be wrong, or it's because being, of fear of judgment. Yeah, and it's yeah, and taking that that fear of judgment out and going, well, I might be judged, but I'm passionate. I believe in this, and it's the right thing to do. That responsibility side of of it. I had another. I dropped Clara off to school. Was it Monday? I was there a bit early. It was a bit rainy, and uh, the kids were throwing the balls around. These they have these bouncy balls. There's yep. different groups of bouncy ball throwing around yep. stuff. And then the classroom next, there was some girl that kept coming over saying, stop throwing the ball over. Okay. Like she was like really being strong with her message and yeah. she wasn't going to hes- hold back. Yeah. yeah. Like in an adult world, you'd say, oh, don't do that. But she was just speaking her truth. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, you know, she's not thinking she of consequence. people thought of Stop her, throwing yeah. the ball over here. That, it was really cute. <laughs> yeah, that is. It is. I think that is such a, you know, um, a child's way of doing things is that their their world's them, um, and you know, they're I guess not as um, some children aren't as scared of judgment, um, but as we do get older, that starts to become more of a fear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Being able to say no is such a powerful thing as well. And and it's I not don't always know. A negative. 
Yeah. Or I don't know. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I don't have the answer without I, yeah. kind of like making, playing the game of all, uh, you know, that car salesman approach. <laughs> <laughs> People can always feel through that anyway. So true. Right? Yeah, and I've always found that to be an empowering thing in speaking with people who are highly skilled, highly technical. I'm often asked questions where I great question, haven't had that before, don't know, not going to give you an answer that is wrong or incorrect. Mm. I'm going to find the answer and and in that I'm going to learn something too. So Yeah, very cool. Mm. So let's talk through innovation. I always have mm. a great vision of a school project if I were like given a new school scope mm-hmm. to work on. Mm-hmm. Um oh, you look at you look at a building holistically. Mhm. Right. First thing, like you said it back earlier, we, we build all these buildings now with glass. Mm-hmm. That's such an inefficient mm-hmm. way to go. And mm-hmm. a lot of it's visual. It's not really adding. Mm-hmm. So reducing glazing is one. Mm-hmm. It's a big one. Mm-hmm. Reduce, you can reduce glazing and then go double or triple. Mm-hmm. So you hedge your costs on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, elevated set points we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. like 25, 26. It doesn't have to be 22. Definitely. But related to the ambient. Yep. So as you're 40, if it's 40 out, you want to adjust up to 26. Mm-hmm. Um, design with the environment, not against it. Design with it, not mm-hmm. against it, yeah. Mm-hmm. We talked about reducing moisture extraction. Mm-hmm. So the relative humidity, mm-hmm. band can increase. Mm-hmm. So it's not wicking. And the, the fans help with condensation mitigation. So while set points higher, air conditioning's not having to run as hard, the um, fans will assist with yes. the uh, mitigation of any humidity. That's in right. Space. Yeah. And then, you know, increasing fresh air, which your systems definitely can, can do. Um, mixed, mixed mode, openable windows. Mm-hmm. You know, for a school, displacement is such a, a great solution. But again, if for displacement, that what that means uh, is um, having like an underfloor. Yes. So like a service floor where yeah. cabling can go in and comms, and yep. you can use that floor as a displacement vol- uh, plenum. Yeah. So your airflow is actually distributed at the floor level. Interesting. So then what you get is a, a displacement because uh, as opposed to like a turbulent, like a mixing through the coanda effect on a diffuser. Interesting. So low velocity, picks up energy, it then rely, relies on the stack effect. Okay. So you get that um, laminar flow through the space. I have to say that's all new to me, Jeff. And when you're introducing so. <laughs> the air, because yeah. at a normal ceiling, like an air conditioning mech design, diffuser design would be 12 degrees coming out of the, the box. Yes. And then it's mixing to create a 24, 23 set point. Of course, it's over-air-conditioned to yeah, allow. but in the floor, you're coming out at 18. Interesting. To achieve the same 23, the set point. So we, my, I guess, area of um, experience is talking to engineers about designing the HVAC at roof level, but actually minimising ductwork. So yeah. lowering your uh, material costs from, from the build, but because you don't have to have that drop ceiling and duct work, there's a much lower building cost. And then the fans distribute the air. So duct work actually doesn't create uniform, even dis- distribution of conditioned air, yeah. but the fans do. So you get a more efficient system by combining fans and your HVAC, minimizing ductwork, and then it's cheaper to build, but then cheaper to operate. After I have a project for you to look at. Great. It's for a council that they, they might be interested. It would be their cost, like a fit-out cost. Okay. But I think I think it would be a good fit. Yeah, government gets it in terms of... It's a done... timber building as well, so they have like oh. a sustainable initiative in that regard. Fantastic. We've done... But the builder I'm working with, it's not going to be... They're not going to lump it into their cost, but it might apply to their fit-out. 
and if they're, you know, it's always a, a discussion of, um, you know, OPEX versus CAPEX. And yep. if we are talking to somebody who understands that, yes, there's a little bit more of a initial, you know, expenditure cost for incorporating fans, uh, only in retrofit, in new construction, it's cheaper to incorporate fans. Yeah. But if we're doing a fit out and we're adding fans, yes, there's a cost, but there is a cost savings that is going to be there forever in a day uh, awesome. designing a space that eventually covers the cost um, that you're, of your initial expenditure. Brilliant. Um, good. I think, so yeah, you talk, touched on this and I believe in this as well. It's bringing awareness to what your own comfort is. Like, how do I, mm. the image earlier came today when I was writing, you know, what is it, if you're standing under a tree on a hot mm. day mm. with a breeze flowing through, mm. what does that feel like? Mm. Everyone's had that experience. Exactly. So you don't have to call yourself an engineer. I, I'm aware of what that, what that is. True. What that feels like. Yes. The sun is being blocked. I'm not getting the radiant gain. That's I'm getting it. the convective airflow across we, and you're comfortable. We do with comfort every so, day, whether we're comfortable or uncomfortable. And when I talk about fans, because it's uh, fans don't change the temperature, but they change the perceived temperature. The way I describe that is, well, we sit on a beach and it's a beautiful, say, 27 degree day, uh, sun shining, got that radiant heat and mm. as I said it's 27 degrees but then there's a gust of wind that comes through and suddenly it feels cooler but it's not it's still 27 degrees it's just that that wind has provided a wind chill effect and given us a cooling effect and that is exactly what fans do um, provide a cooling effect but not change the temperature um, and we can harness that to create sustainable buildings um, that are more energy efficient to occupy that's brilliant hmm. that ties i was going to talk about the psychology of Ooh, thermostats yes. and t-stats i've yes. had this many times where we sometimes we have like a running joke going on in yeah. the industry you could set a thermostat at 24 and it's not doing anything it's yes. a dummy t-stat or you set it at 27 and people complain they're too hot because they see the temp. <laughs> just seeing it. Because they don't realize it's multidimensional comfort. It's not just the thermostat. So multidimensional. Absolutely. So you can make a problem go away just by putting a T-stat there and say 22. That's, that psychology like, is fascinating. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always say there's this... Uh, you know psychological benefit with the fans in terms of seeing and feeling air moving you don't so much with air conditioning mm -hmm. but when you walk into a space and there's a big fan and you feel airflow you feel as if your comfort is being considered yeah. more than an air conditioning system but psychology of seeing a number and feeling different is fascinating to me it is mm. so say you had like a hundred well, I don't know how many square meters. This say it's a hundred square meter space, like mm -hmm. an office, open office plan, exposed ceilings. Mm -hmm. You have ventilation coming in. Mm -hmm. um, if you use the haiku style, mm -hmm. like what kind of square meter would you allow for a zone? So in that, would you have four? I, I, the point I'm getting to is that you can have smartphone control. Definitely. So to give, say you have four people working in this zone where they have one haiku fan, yeah. where they all have the ability to say, hey, we can control it with our own phone. Mm -hmm. There might be some back and forth on Hey, stop playing around with it. Yeah, but we like to say fan wars, not thermostat wars. Fan wars. <laughs> yeah. Have you done that or how, how would that work? Yeah, we to have. Get end user control so that they're... They're empowered. Definitely. And it is something that um, we do in office spaces. In our own head office in Queensland, we all have Haiku and Essence fans throughout the building. We offset our thermostat and we all have different, um, we all have our own remote and our own fan, uh, phones to control them. Mm. And what we find is, you know, the closer you are and, and underneath that fan, it, it's a little bit cooler. So if you're someone who runs hotter, um, we've adjusted our work environment to where it's adaptive comfort for 
the individual. Um, so it is, and, and you know, I've got offices in Perth that say, well, for you know, eight months of the year, we don't run our air conditioning mm. because the fans suffice. Uh, gets you know once it gets past that 30 degrees it's a bit hot so we run them both in conjunction and it's it's just allowing for adaptive control of comfort not that coming in every day to a nice refrigerated um, office space and then having to, to you know put in under desk heaters and you know people make themselves comfortable so yeah. if a building isn't designed effectively then allow it to be flexible exactly yeah here's an interesting thought um Obviously, you can record, you can log what temperature is in a space, you can log the yes. CO2 levels. Can you log the actual activity of the fans? Like, say, just so you have all that data, say it's a new design concept, case study, it's live, you have the full year to assess, okay, that zone, they were running the fan at 20% for this many hours. Can you log all that data? We can set schedules and things with the phones. I'm, um, you know, the, 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 phone app uh, for the fans I'm I'd have I'd like to ask the US if they've done anything like that I'm sure it's absolutely possible they would for have us done. to do yeah, yeah. Um, just and to get a complete picture definitely I think the the challenge is that you know there's no one size fits all every space is different and yeah. so I'm always asking um, the architect or engineer well what is the client doing in the space what's the layout like if we're designing fans for a basketball court, well, it's easy because we've got a big open space. We have different metabolic rates with spectators and participants, but ideally we want to concentrate airflow over the court. If I'm looking at a warehouse, well, we've only got occupants at the pick and pack and the dispatch areas. Let's just look at a fan solution there. But if we have higher racking, we want to allow for airflow to not be impeded by that high racking that will block it's a barrier to airflow so it's there's no one size fits all and it's hard to say oh well in a space like this you know one fan per six by six area because it yeah. does depend on you could probably get into an analysis paralysis with too much data yeah, yeah probably and and so i just would like to say well let's talk about a project in concept what do you want to achieve do we have air conditioning a fan sole source of cooling and provide a recommendation as the project comes along and it's a free service we offer but really not just doing that one size fits all template mm. that I'm trying to get you know uh, engineers to move away from when designing for thermal comfort they've done the tried and tested air conditioning but let's look at more adaptive methods yeah. and we can assist with those calculations and the data required for that yeah brilliant I think there's a bright future ahead for you in this space as well I, there, I, it's, I, there's, I think the world's still in a bit of a shock definitely now we're going to in the next few years, we're going to see a shift in, in oh, what we've been talking about. Especially with climate reports, um, mm. you know, ASHRAE standards, they change every four years and the last one, the last updates were last year. J-codes, you know, the, the updates in that, the energy efficiency um, standards, the, the new minimums are higher. Mm. So we have to start thinking differently because we can't do what we've done before because they no longer cut it. So, yeah, this is exciting. Bring it on. This absolutely. Finally, yeah. We don't want cookie-cutter jobs. We want to be challenged. That's it. And that whole operate spaces that I think it was Glenn Merkett, the architect, who said a, a home should be lived in like a sailing ship where you do, you open the louvers, you turn on fans, you open your doors. You know, mm. we've got the beautiful 
you know, Fremantle doctor breeze in, in Perth, we've got cooler nights um, to allow for, you know, flushing out of heat and things like that. But we do need to be more active in how we operate our spaces, um, not just relying on air conditioning and those energy intensive methods. To yeah, we have to be more responsible for our environment. Absolutely. Use the environment to our advantage. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And it's going to, you know, um, I, I would hope that the environment, the environmental impact would be more of a driving force. Unfortunately, um, it is the impact on, you know, our, our, our wallet that is more of a driving force. But with incorporating fans, you can have both. You reduce your environmental impact, but you save money. So, oh, definitely. Innovation, yeah. if it's done well, leads yes. to cost reduction. And CapEx, maintenance cost, and running cost. Absolutely. Yeah, that's... Yeah, brilliant. This has been a great discussion. It's great. So I had this, this was a few years ago, I had this idea of, uh, you know, bringing the humanity back to what we do. Yeah. So do you have a human moment that comes to mind that you've experienced of late? I'll share one that happened today that was kind of, it's not a, I took Teddy for a walk, my dog, up to Lake Wellup. Yeah. I go there almost every day. He's just gung-ho excited. Sometimes I'll let him off the lead. So as a puppy, it took a year, I'm not going to let him off the lead. Yeah. Comfort zone again. Mm-hmm. I don't want him getting wandering off, or um, so I, I let him off. Don't do it every day. And then there was this couple ahead of me, just kind of walking. Like you could see their energy, really kind of. How do you explain it? The energy of like grumpy came out. <laughs> it was like they're on their way. They got to get get somewhere. They got this big dog, and Teddy's just a fluffy. He loves to play. He's always happy. Everyone loves him. Mm-hmm. So Teddy's up there just running, having a little bit of a play. They've got their dog on the lead. And she's getting really annoyed, like, because Teddy's not being called back, and it's not going to, like, hurt anyone. Just two seconds, you're out for a walk to enjoy the environment, mm-hmm. and they're, like, yelling at me because you're not calling your dog back. Oh. Like, holy cow, what's, what space are you at? Yeah. So that was a human moment. Human moments aren't always, like, nice and pretty. Yeah. But what I do is I reflect on, okay, be mindful that that's the energy they're carrying. Yeah. And there's something that they're dealing with in that moment, so don't let it cling to me. That's mm, it's not you. It's them. It's not me. It's them. But you know, we all we've all been there. We've all been in those those kind of moods at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that's and that kind of talks that goes to this whole discussion of comfort zone as well. Mm-hmm. It's not. It can't always be rosy and lovey dovey and like we're, we're perfect design projects and teams and everyone understands. There mm-hmm. are tough moments that come and that's where growth comes from as well Mm. so being able to challenge those social barriers in the right way i think is important to innovate as well absolutely yeah Yeah. and and like you say that human element you know we've all got a job to do and we often get siloed in uh what our objectives are but to understand that we all have objectives Mm. and understanding where other people are coming from allows us to be more holistic in how we approach anything not just design but our lives and mm. our interaction with other people and um you really put me on the spot here jeff this is out of my comfort zone because i haven't prepared no, it's all right. um and i'm it could be something simple so and so the question because i've started to go into my work and fans but the question was about a human moment yeah just think of a human moment anything that that's subtle that happened over the last few weeks or the last days it could just be like on your way here you, you notice something on the way here or What's another example to try to spark some ideas? <laughs> yeah, that was, um, what did I have? Oh, I was at the, 
the cafe yesterday and uh, I normally don't take any phone calls but my friend Adam he called and I was just I had my headset on and there was a waitress coming by asking do I want another coffee mm -hmm. and she was asking me what am I doing I had my notepad mm -hmm. here and uh, Adam was talking to me and she was talking to me at the mm -hmm. same time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm like and she's like from a different country so her English wasn't there so I felt like oh no I'm, I'm on the phone I can't so I was ordering a decaf at the same time I was talking to Adam. <laughs> Do you, that, that is a, uh, such a human moment. Um, so like, oh, excuse me. Oh, gosh. Um, mm. But this has been a great discussion. It I really, really appreciate has. this. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I've got things that come to mind, um, but almost seem like trivial and... Uh, That's the thing. That's a human it, moment. It's trivial. Okay. It could be anything. Okay. All right. I've I've got um I've got a niece that I uh go over and um I live next door to my um, sister in law and she's got a couple of young ones so I go over a couple of nights a week to to help out and um I love just being around like the two year old because it's fascinating watching how their mind works and things like that and um we've started playing this game that I think is it's just lovely to watch that her favorite thing to do now is play with her um rubbish truck and play rubbish collection and oh, wow. so i just think that's such a cool thing that she's like she's um very smart and says oh think let's do you know rubbish collection the council's coming and we've created this game where i've ended up just um tearing up some some paper but she's got two bins so she sorts it from yeah. recycling to her other rubbish and uh it's become her favorite thing to do the last few times all she wants to do is play dump trucks with me um and That's i cute. find that really cute that just the mind of a child and that this little That's the creative mind yeah the childlike spirit that's it and that yeah we have the houses set up and she does the council pick up collection with the rubbish so that's been something that's happened in the last couple of weeks that yeah came to my mind awesome brilliant <laughs> well thanks again rebecca that was brilliant no, so i'll you, um i'll share your contact details whatever you want to share i'll put it on the on the blog and and a link to and a link booking to your presentation a presentation um we can do the one hour cpd for a formal point or i can um also do a 15 minute presentation and my colleague ario who's an engineer can also do that if you want to is ario based here so i'm the or only one in... based here oh, that's um, his audience, but yeah. we have our head office in queensland so that's where warehousing everything ships from and our design assistants and our team is all based out of queensland Uh, thanks for listening to this this podcast uh, of the business of buildings. Feel free to share it to anyone that you think might uh, find a resonance with it, uh, that might be interested to learn more from Rebecca. Uh, thanks to Rebecca for for sharing her insights on air quality and comfort, and and also some you know personal and professional uh, topics as it relates to the comfort zone that we that we live in. Uh, well organize more podcasts here shortly in the future the next topic that's coming to mind is electrification of buildings so stay tuned